If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode 162 of uh, What Most People Think. And finally, the suspense is broken, people. It's going to be Liz Trust. I know. <laughs> it's, uh, we've been in limbo, not knowing who our next Prime Minister is going to be, but it's going to be Liz Pork Markets Trust. Uh, I would say to any of my lefty friends out there, or even my uh, loony FBPE types, the pork markets gag is good. You know, anything that drives people from your point of view to look at that speech, I guess works. But just be aware that all jokes have a shelf life and you don't want that to become the new orange man bad. And I'm sorry if that's a, a bit Twitter speak, but, well, you know, hopefully that as Liz Trust gets into power, people find uh, some more original things to say about her. And of course, uh, we'll be having a big deep dive on both the announcement and, and what it all means and a bit of speculation as to how Trust is going to do. So this is what most people think. If you haven't listened to it before... Uh, it is, uh, you know, I'm trying to get to the heart of what sort of common public opinion is. And of course, you know, for quite a while on this podcast, uh, it veered towards, you know, the Conservatives. I mean, not like the majority of the country, but certainly an electoral majority. I just wonder whether or not um, you're with me here in that you increasingly find yourself a little bit dismayed at the state of both parties. And I, I don't want to get into that realm of kind of going, well, they're all as bad as each other, but... You, you get the Tories who have clearly found themselves uh, in a little bit of a hole, but luckily they've taken uh, enough shovels down there to keep digging. And then you just look at Labour and you go, it's just an empty space. I, I don't get it. I, what is what is Labour? Do you know what I mean? Labour's sort of like, do you remember Tab Clear? <laughs> do you remember that Coke from the 90s where you just go, it's clear. I don't, I don't understand. It's supposed to be Labour. It's supposed to be red, but it, it's clear. That's what Labour are. Labour are the tab clear uh, of politics. We'll be discussing all of that. Uh, and of course, uh, Joe Lysett's prank on the Laura Koonsberg show on Sunday morning. Uh, a bit of a spoiler. Uh, I, I mean, I laughed at it. I laughed at it. But we were discussing uh, some of the reaction to that and then some of the reaction uh, when I made a very lighthearted joke. Uh, but just a quick update with me is I went to um, Chessington. I went to Chessington uh, World of Adventures last Thursday. And uh, there was a guy, I don't know if he listens to the podcast, who uh, just said to me, you Jeff Norcott. There was something about the way he said it. And do you know when you go like, that happens to me sometimes, but I just thought like I owed him money. <laughs> we had a nice photo and then um, just a shout out to, I think, I can't remember, I think the guy's name was Tom. And then there was a guy who lives near me that um, uh, I, was, I was out for a run. I think he was listening to my podcast at that point. So in fairness to him, that was a weird event to be listening to my podcast and then for me to come running past. He might have thought that he could just kind of summon the spirits of comedians by listening to their podcast. I said a quick uh, hello to him and he said to me that he was surprised that he lived where I lived. And I said, you're fucking surprised, mate. I'm on telly. <laughs> I thought I'd be doing better. I'm only joking. I live in a very nice place and this kid may well live in a mansion, but um, 
Listen, like a lot of people who grew up in London, I absolutely cannot afford to live there or certainly live in a decent gaff. Um, Domain Talking Point, where our super patron, David Domain. David sends me a lot of very interesting stuff, and I'll pick out one bit. And uh, from the last episode with Mark Steele, which, by the way, check it out. You know, if you're in that mood now where you just want to hear people of different opinions talk with a little bit of nuance and respect and understanding, then uh, do give that one a check. Uh, And and if you don't, (laughs) just stick with the anger, man. Get yourself on Twitter. That is the place to be. Uh, But we talk about the Poet Laureate. Uh, I was talking about the Poet Laureate, and um, David has done some research on the post of Poet Laureate. In England, the post was created in the 17th century, inspired by the Roman and Greek tradition. According to the Poetry Society, the job has no formal description. That's a fucking good job, isn't it? Uh, in the past, the laureate was expected to write poetry for royal events and national occasions. What if they're not fucking doing that now? This is the problem with modern Britain. Modern Britain. I bet this is since COVID, isn't it? You know, the poet laureate probably got fucking furloughed. Yeah, <laughs> had a taste of the good life, didn't he? Sitting at home, not writing any poetry, which is not, let's be honest, the most taxing job in the world. Uh, by the way, if you are a poet and earning money from it, email in. Uh, but keep it short. You know, it's like with poetry. You know, it can outstay. It's welcome. What most, what most people think, UK at gmail.com. But as David says, uh, this is no longer an official requirement to write poetry for royal events and national occasions. That's astonishing. This is why this country's going down a fucking pan. Let me tell you. If the Poet Laureate isn't required to write... Did you, what, what happened? Did the Poet Laureate, did they make some sort of representation to human resources going, I just find, you know, I just find the stress levels when I know there's a royal wedding, the expectation. They're like, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's fine. You know, under, under employment law, we will now excuse you from that. And yes, you can bring your comfort animal <laughs> into work. And by work, I mean, you just sitting in the fucking snug of your mansion, not writing poetry. Uh, Carol Ann Duffy wrote poems to mark a wide variety of situations. Uh, politics about the poems about the MPs' expenses scandal sounds like a sounds like a great subject for poetry. Uh, about the eruption of the Icelandic volcano in 2010, she's she taking a piss. She, you're the poet laureate. Write stuff that the Queen will like and that they can read out on the fucking one show, okay? Or let someone else have a go, okay? The, the Icelandic volcano. Ash, smash, I'll travel in trash. I'm stuck in Cyprus. And this is, I wish this was behind us. Uh, new patrons. Uh, we got, uh, well, we're talking here at the top of the show about new board members. Andrew Welch. Welsh? Welch. Andrew Welch. Uh, Andrew, I mean, there's the obvious gag on Andrews. I'm going to think people call Yandy Welch. Andy Welch, roving sales rep. I'm not saying you're like Finchy from The Office. Yeah, it was up to my nuts and guts. Oh, I just remember what a gross line that was. Um, but Andy Welch, yeah, and you need to speak to Andy Welch about that. Andy Welch will be in on Tuesday. Andy Welch is the kind of guy that knows his way around checking in places. He's on the road enough, do you know what I mean? He does his online check-ins. He knows how to do the key drop. He checks, do you know, he knows where the vending machines are in the travel lodge on the M4 Swindon West. He's a fucking legend. Uh, and Roy Burdett, Roy, who, who actually became a board member a while ago and uh, didn't get a shout out. So apologies to that. If you do genuinely at any tier of the patrons think that you have never had your shout out, and don't, I can check. I can't actually. But I can check is uh, message me through the Patreon website. That's one of the benefits of being a patron um, is that you can message me. Is it a benefit? I don't know. But I will reply in time unless you get weird about it. That's the rule. It's not formal rule. But you know what I mean? If you're, if you're composing a message to me at 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning, there's a chance that you're abusing. <laughs> you're abusing the Patreon privileges. Um, 
And just to remind you, the purpose of the Patreon, you'll have already realised, where where are the adverts for weird new products that I don't want? Why has this podcast not tried to get me to do online counselling yet? Why is this podcast not trying to get me to buy crypto? Well, it's because it's funded by our glorious patrons. Okay, let's do a quick thank you uh, and a fuck you. Um, the, the thank you goes to, and this will sort of dovetail with stuff later in the show, but um, but just to like the loons on Twitter for reminding me that they were still out there, that you, how many nutters you still get. So I did uh, a tweet, I did a post on Friday of last week, and it was just, I found out that Keir Starmer was 60. And I found out, right, I'm letting you process this in real time as well. Uh, and I found out that Liz Truss was 47. And both of those things seem surprising to me. Because uh, Keir Truss, <laughs> Liz Truss, yeah, Liz Truss, uh, Keir Starmer looks younger than 60. And Liz Truss, let's be, you know, with respect, looks more experienced than 47. So, I thought that was odd. And then I thought, you know, wouldn't it be funny if she answered every PMQ with OK Boomer, which is this thing that kids were saying online for a while. You know, any baby boomers, they could dismiss their opinions by going OK Boomer. It was a very silly joke. It did OK. There were a few comments and then a day went past. And I just happened to check Twitter and um, there's all these fucking people just going mental, right? Do fucking right wing hate humour. So... Look, if you, because what happens is, is these these kind of like the serious end of like the really FBP follow back pro Europe enjoying a lot. I'm not saying this is all of them, but there are ones that they all communicate with each other all the time. So they try and set it up so people pile in on it. And look, if they, they're saying that they thought the joke was shit, I'm like, yeah, it's Twitter. If I thought it's really good, I put it on a podcast or in my live act. With respect, tweets are normally things that I do while whilst waiting for the toast to pop up. Do you know what I mean? And occasionally, whilst having a shit. So they all, a lot of them took it very seriously. But if they thought it was a crap joke, fine. Uh, they don't seem to realise that as comics, our jokes not being funny is like a day-in, day-out risk. It's like stuntmen getting fucking bruises off the sugar glass. We know it's a possibility, right? Um, bruises off the sugar glass? Is sugar glass even a thing? David Domain, please, do your thing. But, um, but then there was this other group of people that were like, that took it seriously as a suggestion. Like, I thought... Like I was, I was trying, I was trying to suggest that Liz Truss should actually get up and say this, and then there was this spin-off conversation, um, which was the, this is why right-wing humour doesn't work. Okay, this is why it doesn't work because it's just fueled by hate. And then there was these people that were saying, "I can't believe he's punching down." I was, oh yeah, 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 punching down on Sir Keir Starmer, former head of the Crown Prosecution Service, and probable Prime Minister in waiting. That poor man. When will that poor man get a platform, eh? Poor Sir Keir Starmer being punched down on. It's just odd to me at a time when I'm getting loads of criticism from right-wingers saying that I've gone left-wing, that these, these fucking weirdos. There's this one journalist uh, that, came, that came out of the blue and said, dude, seriously, I thought you were better than that. And this, for anybody that's listened to last week's podcast, was particularly pointed I was like, I haven't said a racist joke. Do you know what I mean? I haven't said something homophobic. I've basically pointed out that two people have surprising ages. And I bet you right now, some of you have even stopped the podcast right now. If you're with somebody, go, babe, do you know Liz Truss is 47? And he, he misses, she put down her book for that one. What? She's, she's 47. Oh my God. Oh my God. 47. She must have had a hard life. Of course she did. She was in the Lib Dems. There you go. I got out of it with a little Lib Dem slam. Always, always, if you're in trouble, just just <laughs> criticise the Lib Dems. They're happy to be 
mentioned. And then the fuck you goes to poor old Jamila Jamil, right? Who came back to Twitter after saying that she was never coming back. Um, uh, because I think it was because fucking someone's who's that guy? Elon Musk was buying Twitter. And then um, and then she got in trouble. I'm just pulling up the tweet here. Sorry, th- this whole show is not going to be about social media, but it will have an element because that actually has been, you know, I mean, what Joe Lysett did was front page uh, on the Daily Mail, you know, and part of that was because of the social media response. So Twitter isn't Britain, but sometimes it genuinely is the news, if you get my drift. Um, So Jamila Jamil said, I accidentally misgendered somebody who was rude to me on here yesterday because I did not know they were non-binary. I instantly corrected myself, so she did it instantly, but nobody reads your bios, people. Please include your pronouns in your name on here to prevent misunderstandings or offence if it's important to you, right? So I'm going to say the first thing that the first mistake that she's made there against her own side is saying that nobody reads your bios because that's what they need to believe. They need to believe that all their stuff, all the he, him, they, z, that everyone's reading that and seeing all the flags. Uh, and then, but then she gets corrected by somebody who says, for what it's worth, the black community has asked that we use NB for non-binary people, as NB typically means non-black. I only know this because someone corrected me a while ago. So try and share the info. <laughs> I mean, of course, the person that said this isn't a black person. Of course it isn't. They've got a lot. <laughs> I mean, just it's always going to be a white middle class woman, probably, isn't it? Or, or some guy with a fucking sailor's beard. Um, and then, so this person then corrects that person. It's all a bit he said, she said, isn't it? Folks need to just be careful because some non-binary people find NB to be infantilizing and really dislike it. Been told off a few times for using it. When in doubt, use the full non-binary. So you've got one of the wokest people on Twitter, then getting out-woked and then woked again. And I know, I know that woke is overused, but you tell me (laughs) how the hell else I describe that exchange. What is the word... To describe what's happened there. Somebody, I mean, like being misgendered on Twitter. It's not like, do you know what I mean? It's not like you turned up to a wedding in a dress and someone said, hello, sir. It's fucking Twitter. You've got tiny little photos. Someone like Jamila. I never thought I'd expect, I never expected to find myself defending poor old Jamila Jamil. She said, how much has she done for, for woke and social justice causes? I mean, that's the point, isn't it? This is why people sometimes back away from being right on, politically correct, woke, or whatever you want to call it. Because what they see uh, is examples, is that you'll probably never be able to do it well enough for some people. So I stand in solidarity with one of those little fists. I'll make sure it's the right colour one. But I stand with Jamila Jamil. Let's have uh, a quick chat about our glorious new leader, Liz Truss. Okay, so on Monday at 12.30, um, Graham Brady, of the chairman of the 1922 committee, I mean, he's one of the busiest chairmen of committees in, in world politics, isn't he? He's out there, he's out there coordinating, coordinating leadership campaigns every other day, the poor fella. But he came forward with this very nice voice, very reassuring, Graham Brady. So the process was undertaken over a... Look, Graham, the one thing nobody needs at this point is a fucking recap. This has gone on, this has gone on so long, mate. And you slightly fucked up. I mean, I've normally been a Graham Brady fan, but the the length of this process, I don't know what who was this for. It was like it was like a sort of book tour for a book you didn't want to sell. <laughs> it was like you've got right. There's really bad stuff in this book. Let's go and let's just trash our own brand to the point where where no one buys this book. 
It was like it was like a Gerald Ratner's moment, but across a whole summer, a whole summer. And so he gives the stats. You know, the there was a eighty-two percent turnout, the hundred seventy-six thousand members. You know, and it was it reminded me of when you know you know you used to have those big rock and roll tours where they go. You know, you two have seventeen planes and fucking twenty-two thousand meters of cabling. You're not going to hear that post Greta, are you? <laughs> no rock and roll bands are stressing just how much fucking metal and energy they use. They just go, this tour has 13 healing booths and 12,000 comfort animals, emotional support animals. If I, if I just misgendered, if I misspecies comfort support animals, do feel free to fucking not tell me. And so eventually we get the result. And what was the result? It was like 57% to 42. It was closer than people thought. Closer than people thought. And I'm glad for Rishi. I am glad because he did better than a lot of people expected. And, you know, he did come undone a bit. I think he did himself a lot of harm in the early stages of it when he, you know, just seemed like the guy. I've, I've done the revision. You know, I deserve an A star. I deserve an A star. Mother, mother. I mean, if you'd have if you'd have done a, um, a drinking game, taken a drink every time he mentioned uh, the fact his mum was a chemist, I mean, you'd be having your stomach pumped, you know. If you'd done a shot of his mum's medicine every time he mentioned his mum's medicine, you'd have been in trouble. But I was glad for him, you know, because I think it did sort of suggest to Liz Truss. Because, look, I like to think of myself as, uh, as Ian Dale once had put it, like a non-headbanging Tory, you know, quite a moderate guy in a lot of respects. So I quite like the fact that Sensible Rishi was um, was was given a good, you know, he he posted some decent numbers, right? He posted some decent numbers. So hopefully uh, Liz Truss will... Not just pack out. I mean, she she did say that thing in her speech about I'm gonna I'm gonna have a, a cabinet of all the talents. They all fucking say that, don't they? Has there ever been a world leader that hasn't in their acceptance speech said I'm gonna bring in people from across the board? And in the moment they go right, gone to their mates. What's that group? Who wants a job? Who wants a job? Because I'm the fucking boss now. Yeah, that's right. I'm that bitch now. And then. And then she, uh, I look, I gotta say, a lot of people ask me, what do you think about Liz Truss? I think that there are some lefties out there that maybe have drifted towards me, surprisingly, since I've agreed with them on some things. But they're sort of, they're worried I'm gonna come out in favour of Liz Truss and then they'll have to hate me again. I do not think she is a great speaker. Controversial. Are you fucking kidding me? Who's making the noise? Sorry about that, I had to move upstairs there because my neighbour. And dared to mow a lawn. <laughs> Can't everybody have plastic fucking grass like me? Um, I know some of you would be disgusted. Yeah, I've had plastic grass since tw- 2012. I don't regret it a single bit. Okay. And anything I've said about politics so far has probably gone out of the window. Some of you are just going, fucking Norcott. Not only has he got a cockapoo, he's got plastic grass. Is he even a real man at this point? Um, but yeah, so this is the kind of how how kind of wrapped up in yourself you can get is I was outraged how dare she do something in her garden which inconveniences my podcast so I came to the back of the house I've come to the back of the house and uh, someone started a motorbike outside and I was like what the fuck um, but going back to where I'm at on Liz Truss I I hope she's better than I fear and that's not just because of my can you hear that the phone's going that's a second by the way, that was the second person that had tried to phone me while I was doing this. Some would say, put your phone on silent, Jeff. So Liz Truss, maybe this will be like Liz Truss's uh, premiership. It never really gets going. Hmm? 
Um, but yeah, based on what she said, so she gets up and does this speech. And one of the things that people have held against her is she's not a good communicator. So you think, okay, Liz, you won the race. Get up, reassure everybody that you can talk <laughs> in public. But generally. So she gets up and she does this slightly weird speech, which I, I'll be honest, I don't know if she was doing a little callback to the old port markets thing, but there was a, there was, it was a bit porky. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> They had the scent of a port market wafting across the stage as she was hesitating and pausing to wait too long for rounds of applause. Now, obviously, you can read too much into this stuff, but you go, are you able to grow as a politician and as a performer? Because very soon you're going to be, you know, doing doing um, PMQs. And, and the evidence of this is, is kind of concerning. She left a couple of pauses for jokes uh, there was one that she said, well, not jokes, sorry, for applause breaks. And she, she gave fulsome praise to Boris uh, Johnson. And she said that he's loved from Kiev to Carlisle. Now, there was a pause there. And a lot of people online have commented that that fell flat. And, and you know, people didn't agree with her. Perhaps there wasn't as much love for Boris in the room. I think they were just really fucking shocked <laughs> at the two choices of places. You know, you can make a separate point that Boris Johnson does have a legacy in Ukraine of being a, a strong ally to the country. But from Kiev to Carlisle, I just think if, you, if you'd have had a sweepstake, you're going to go, all right, uh, Liz Truss is going to do an analogy containing two cities. I think Kiev, Carlisle, if you've got that, you've gone, fuck them, do you know what I mean? I don't know why I still do these sweepstakes. I want my two pound back. You know, the expectation is so low now. I mean, it's... In terms of how she performs, uh, and you know what she does in government, and, and in terms of PMQs, I mean the difficult thing for her is going to be that Starmer, who often, you know, he, he was good on Partygate, but who could often look uh, quite wooden um, uh, next to Boris sometimes. But also, I don't think Boris ever fully delivered on his raconteur kind of improv fucking reputation. You know what I mean? I don't remember. I mean, the, the funniest one he did about. Um, Starmer, I think, was he was he's a, he's a human bollard. It was just funny because it was a weird thing to say. Um, but, you know, next to uh, Liz Truss, Starmer could seem quite charismatic, you know. He could seem like Stephen Mulhern. <laughs> I, 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 sorry, the woman opposite. I, 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 I lost, don't know what she's talking about. Maybe she wants to go take a visit to a pork market. Wagga, wagga, wagga. What, what's going to happen uh, in that first PMQs, right? is that somebody, one of the spads, the special advisors, uh, these youngsters that tend to... It's always weirdly young people that tend to surround, um, you know, the PM and leading politicians. They'll pitch a few joke lines and they'll go, you've got to do one joke, Liz. And, and I remember... The, do you remember the first one that, um, that uh, Theresa May did to Corbyn, where, where she made this analogy... And it was quite a tortured analogy about... It was clearly about Corbyn. And then when she finished it, she went, remind you of anybody? And she was obviously got so... She got so nervous in the lead up to the delivery. She just... Her face was contorted. It was like a weird spectacle. Remind you of anybody? You go, like, that is the opposite of a joke. That's fucking harrowing. It's like, um, it's like Amanda Holden's video on TikTok. <laughs> if it, by the way, if anybody... I'm not saying you should definitely go on TikTok, but just check out this weird video that Amanda Holden did. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Get back to me. Let me know what you think. So the question is going to be with Liz Truss is what is the plan on energy? And, you know, I think we're all kind of expecting probably, I'd say the most probable outcome is, uh, is an energy freeze, maybe not as long as Labour said, maybe more targeted. Because that is a problem with the Labour plan is it sort of benefits everybody and excessively benefits the well-off. 
you know, Labour have an argument that's because means testing is is, is uh, time consuming and expensive, right? Fair enough, but you've at least got to make that argument. Um, but the real issue is that neither of the main parties have um, said anything about business. That's what I find so odd, is that we've got this far in it, and, 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 and all the focus has been on the individual, but the businesses have been absorbing these costs for fucking ages. You know what I mean? You've got businesses going, um, my, you know, you just hear them on the radio phoning to go, yeah, I run, I run, I run a chip shop in uh, East Wittering, and... Um, yeah, our turnover is 120 grand a year and our electricity bill's gone up from seven grand to 120 grand a year. So, and these people, these poor bastards, you know what I mean? They're clearly in shock and the, the numbers are horrific and they're going, so we don't really know what we're going to do when our electricity bill is the same as all of the fucking money that we ever make, ever. And so she's got to address that. If, if she's a real conservative, she needs to put business importantly because that's one of the strengths of the conservatives' brand. It's like there is no... There's nothing without, you know, good business, sound money, tax revenue coming in, corporation tax, right? All this stuff is what funds all the things that we all value. Why am I getting so passionate? But, you know, I'm not like opposed to a health service that's free at a point of service, but it needs to be fucking funded. It's all got to be funded. So please, I hope if there's any any chance there's anybody from the Conservative Party listening, is if you want to win back the respect of some of the people you might have lost under Boris, just mention business, a plan for business. And also, you know, let's just have some let's have some sensible people around her. Okay, let's not do let's not do the kind of the cabinet that's to kind to sort of show Boris fans that you're still on side, like you're still part of his crew. Jacob Rees-Mogg, I have to say, I think the joke has worn thin for me. As a backbencher, he, um, you know, he. He had a role, didn't he? He was a characterful figure. He represented, he, was, he had conviction. But uh, ever since he's come into frontline politics, I mean, all the guy ever seems to do is, is just kind of uh, argue his way out of a sticky situation. You know, I, I would put you, you know. And I just, he, I just feel like characters like that, they, they, there was a time in politics, right? The banter era, as we call it. The funny bit of politics, where even as you could see that people like Trump and Boris came with a lot of baggage, it was objectively fucking hilarious at times. I'm sorry. I saw I saw a clip the other day of um, Trump greeting... It was an old clip of Trump greet, uh, greeting Kim Jong-un to the White House. And like they're standing opposite each other. And, t- and Trump's going, yeah, that's what we want. We want beautiful people. We want slim people with, with great hair or something. He literally says the opposite of all the things that Kim Jong-un are. And then it swings around to Kim Jong-un. And it's literally like The Office. You know, so 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 of course politics shouldn't be to provide us with entertainment. But fuck me, sometimes it was funny, and and but the, but it feels like that period that is is not now. So I, I hope that Liz Truss, obviously she's not going to be a fantastic communicator. I hope that she spent the time being the obvious front runner to come up with a fucking plan because uh, you know it, it, it something needs to be said and it needs to be said quick. And you know, let's put the pressure back on, on Labour and let's have a genuine fucking contest of ideas rather than the Labour Party just waiting for the next time that the government shit the bed. Okay, just a quick hype here. Have I ever said it's not a quick hype? Some of them are really long hypes, let's be honest. Um, just a reminder, I'm, I'm back on Late Night Match, the first episode uh, of which went out last Thursday and I spoke a bit about leadership. And if you like a few, I mean, for the, for the dickheads that tried to slam me on... Um, on Twitter, well, you're not going to like that bit. I think, what's it I said about him on Mash Report? I said he's the human equivalent of a decaffeinated tea bag. And 
What was the other one? Uh, I mean, I'm clearly enjoying my own jokes here. But I also showed a photo of the last four Labour leaders. What was it? Brown, Miliband, Corbyn and Starmer. So imagine them in your head. And I said, they look like men who met on platform nine and three quarters at King's Cross and decided to stay in touch. I was happy. You know, I'm happy with these ones. So... If you want to go there, you can go there and catch up. Most catch up telly UK TV. I know some people listen to this podcast like MASH. Some people, uh, the, the politics can be a bit left for them. But, you know, if you watch it on catch up, you can go straight to that bit or you can watch the whole program. There was funny stuff in it. Joel Domit, excellent. Rachel Paris, I thought, was very assured, given a, you know, a, a, a day, a, a, did it for the first time. Debut. That's the word, Jeff. And also, I'm doing this podcast as a spin-off from Late Night Mash, because obviously I think that they thought, God, Jeff was doing this show for a while, but he wasn't even in contention to be the host. Is he offended by that? Let's give him his own podcast uh, with the brilliant Olga Cock. So Olga is a fantastic comic that I saw at the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, she is obviously like, you know, a lot younger than me and a lot more progressive and, and, and stuff. So it's, it's a kind of contest of ideas, and it's called Late Night Mash, the podcast. And if you look on uh, any of your podcast providers, please... Subscribe to it, download it, and give it a rating. And let's be honest, even if you're not going to listen to it, you could do that, eh? The scroungers, hey scroungers, you could do that. Couldn't you do that for old Uncle Jeff? Right, just get on there, subscribe, download, and rate. Right, you don't ever have to ever listen to it, but if you do, I think you'll find it is an illuminating discussion across the generational divide. No, I wasn't reading that off a press release. Uh, just some more new patrons to welcome. Bear, bear in mind that there we did the. Uh, Patreon did the pay, you know, they did the uh, accounts of the payment run thing. So people got kicked out a lot. You know, there's quite a few people kicked out. So do double check because always there's stuff coming up. But um, Claire, we've got Claire join. I think Claire was an old patron who's rejoined. Uh, of course, she's a one namer. So that means that she works somewhere incredibly right on. Got to say advertising based on every single advert I've seen. I mean, someone needs to tell these advertisers, right? The, the people that they put in adverts aren't buying their products. I know that they want to think that fucking fish fingers are really funky and are mainly consumed by lesbian interracial couples. But um, it's, it, you know, I, I, it's just so, it's almost now become like a feature of of adverts, isn't it? Like the adverts are no longer, I mean, because the thing is, right, if they wanted to show the people that did consume their product, I guess it would be a bloke like me. So in a way, I can understand why they don't want a tired middle-aged man. They want somebody who's funky, you know, somebody who's diverse, but there is a hilarious disparity between uh, who eats products and who's advertised as eating them. Uh, John Kelly. Oh, John Kelly. Just sounds like a ladies' man, John Kelly. John Kelly, like, he's one of those guys that you hope is on every stag do. John, is John Kelly coming? Like, like all, loads, of, loads of the blokes have a weird man crush on him, like blowing smoke up his ass. Oh, yeah, John Kelly's got a fucking uh, Audi TT. They actually, like, they actually sort of treat him like a celebrity within the group. John Kelly, mate. Oh, J.K.L. J.K.L.'s a fucking legend, mate. He, uh, during that time, he actually he actually banged the stripper, like like met her, got a number, and then was in a relationship with her for three months. Yes, she did steal from him, but fucking legend. Um, Catherine Catherine Pedrick, Catherine Pedrick. That just sounds like like you are like a a woman, like a leading lady in a Hollywood rom com. So she starts off, she's a bit uptight, her hair's up. Do you know what I mean? But everyone already knows she's hot. Of course she is. Catherine Pedrick, and then she meets some guy who, bit by bit, I mean, it's just such an appealing thing in rom-coms, isn't it? He kind of goes, ah, I don't think you really like that. <laughs> of course, in real life, if a man would say that to a woman, just he barely met and go, I think I know the real you. They go, fuck off, please. Call the police. Um, Terry Smith, who's just, that is the most 80s name I've ever read. Terry Smith, I'm just imagining him sitting there in his Ford Capri with the furry dice, 
watching Bullseye, drinking Hofmeister, following the bear, playing Ted Rogers 3-2-1, Terry Smith. And then we've got David Cowley, who I, again, I check your accounts because David, pretty sure he's a returning Patreon. And I think I'll do the same joke as I did before. What's the story, David Cowley? Well, he needs a little time to wake up. And then the next guy is called Ed, which I'm presuming is Edward Hanley. So I'm going to use the same joke again. What's the story, Edward Hanley? Well, he needs a little time to skin up. Wake up. I know, I've, I've heard stuff. So this one you might need a recap on. So Joe Lysett. So there was a launch of uh, Laura Koonsberg's politics show, flagship politics show, uh, on Sunday morning, right? And I think the panel, so they had Liz Truss on, I think they had Rishi Sunak as well. They uh, And then they had a panel, which I think was Emily Thornberry, one of my faves. Oh, I love Emily. Emily, take responsibility, Thornberry. And um, there was someone else. <laughs> That's about the level of detail I've got for you. A, a blonde lady. You can't, Jeff, you can't describe women by their hair. Uh, a, a slim lady. Jeff, you can't describe women. A lady. There was a woman on the other side of Joe Lysett. So Joe Lysett was sitting there and he was asked, what's so the first up, what an incredible booking that is. For the first show, right? Now, either the booker is quite savvy and they've gone, we'll get Joe Lysett, it'll do something, it'll get attention for the show. Or, right, or someone hasn't done their research. Of somebody who I think, I, Joe Lysett's pranks have been so well executed. I enjoy them. And let's get it straight out of the gate here. I thought what he did was funny. It made me laugh when I watched it. Because what he realised was that if he just went on and sort of did the traditional left-wing jokes or, or, or made his criticisms of Liz Truss. Because let's be honest, he wasn't actually saying things that were left-wing. He was criticising the calibre of politicians. So he, he said he said a few things and said, you know, some people would say, I, I wouldn't say that. I'm, and it didn't make me laugh, laugh the way he said, I'm very right-wing. And, and, and if you didn't like it, at least give respect for the fact that it, the balls that it takes to do that, right... And um, the degree to which he nailed the delivery, like it, it was genuinely ambiguous the way that he delivered it to the point where, and we take us back into the crazy world of FBP rejoin crazy fucking EU fanatics is that people like, uh, dude, Joe, seriously kind of liked you, but this is a real shock. Unfollowed. <laughs> you fucking morons. You morons! I don't think you. I don't think you should be allowed on Twitter or ever in a comedy club if you can't see that that is ironic. You would. You just think overnight. Just you know, I'm right wing now, or he's been hiding it really. Anyway, so he 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 takes the piss, and uh, there's there's this backlash, and a backlash to the backlash. People misunderstanding it, you know, in the same way. And I'm not I'm not equating these as as, as jokes because jo, uh, Joe's was a bigger joke and it was very well executed. But like, it's like me saying that Liz Truss should say, OK, Boomer. I mean, you have to realise that that is a piss take. What most people think. And that's what I think has been lost in a way, is the the great old British art of the piss take. I mean, if you think about, like, uh, you know, Hitler has only got one book. Like, we're piss takers. It's in the great tradition of taking the piss. And I think, in a way, some of the clamour for, like, edgelords, you know, you know, dark humour or left or right wing humour, just for sort of forgetting that one of the jobs as a comedian is to take the piss. And yeah, there are certain times that there are reasons that I push my luck with a subject is because you realise how some people are unreasonably tetchy about something. You know, there's some stuff 
where you go, yeah, if, you, if you're delving into the darkest aspects of human behaviour, murder, rape and all this stuff, you go, well, yeah, naturally some people are going to be tetchy. But when it comes to who you think is a good politician, you know, I think that that is all fair game. And so I had a few, you know, and I'm, look, I don't, I'm not angry about people reaching out to ask me to go on radio shows and stuff. But I thought I'm not going to go on and talk about this because I've only got one thing to say is that, is that I'm always going to defend a comedian's right to take the piss and, and their creativity, you know? You know, I defended Jerry Sadovic. I mean, that is very... I'm not in any way... If I, before someone goes on and goes, uh, Morcott has said uh, this is exactly the same as Jerry Sadovic getting his dick out. No. Um, just just that, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, look, I'm not very left-wing, but if there's one union unofficially that I'll always be in, it's the comedian's union. You've got to... I think you've got to stick together. Now, again, whether or not... If I was to do something like that, whether I would get support, I would certainly some colleagues I would. I, I don't know, but you've got to just call it as you see it. And I just thought ultimately it, it was funny. And I have to say, man, the Daily Mail putting that on their front page, I, that was I found that fucking astonishing. Said now, me I mean, it's one of those things as well where you get headlines that start with now. I don't know why they say that. There must be some reason. Now that I suppose it's to give the impression of like everything's getting worse again. Now, comedian mocks PM on the BBC. Oh, now they've got left-wing comics doing the weather. And, and look, at Joe Lysett is a fucking PR genius. If there aren't, like, advertisers, like the big ones, the Saatchis, uh, the grey advertising, people like that, that aren't secretly reaching out to him to, to scratch his brain for ideas on how to get traction, then they're missing a trick. And, and you know, he's a comic. He's got a tour to sell. He's doing things that are funny that get him attention. I have no issue with that. And I just think, I hope that people who enjoyed that will, will understand that comedians from both sides will occasionally take the piss and push an idea or a, uh, or a joke to slightly close to its limit to make a point. Okay, we've just got time for one letter here. If you, if you want to email about anything I've said this week, uh, what most people think, uk at gmail.com. Um, and we, we're going back to this subject we discussed last week about beer fear. Now, a lot of people, a lot of you hadn't heard this phrase before and quite liked it. Beer fear is that feeling when you wake up the following day after having a piss up and you go, well, I must have assaulted somebody because I can't remember anything. So therefore, I've done the worst thing that a human can do, you know, or murdered somebody. Or as I think I said last week, stole stole change off a tramp. Uh, thanks for the feedback from some of you on that. Um, I will. Yeah. Look, you, somebody said oh, I felt that was a bit too far. Fucking if this isn't the podcast for you, if you think that. Um, so and so I got a letter in from Ryan. So Ryan says when you mention beer fear on the podcast, Ryan says that he thinks it's a fairly universal feeling. And it might go a bit into men's mental health. Okay, so I get beer fear really badly after almost every time I get drunk. It's worse when I can't remember what happened the night before and I sit in bed trying to piece together anything I can about the night like I'm pyro with Alzheimer's. And my mates and I call it hangxiety. Okay, that's more, you sound younger than me. That sounds, that sounds like a younger person word, but I think it does the same job. I like it. I'm now at a point where the feeling sticks with me indefinitely and about twice a day. I mean, I get it's fucking it's all I think about. I remember something that I did when drunk and grown on myself. It's become a habit and sometimes I catch myself doing it over things that really weren't embarrassing at all. I mean, like if you are, if you are listening, right, and you've had a recent piss up, the truth, the one thing that you forget is everyone else was drunk. All right. There's a big difference to being a bit of a dick when everyone was being a bit of a dick to kind of like, you know, just fucking rushing a, uh, 
a kind of uh, Women's Institute coffee morning on a Tuesday smashed out of your mind. You're, they're probably going to think you're a twat. But if they'd all, you know, if they'd all been putting a fucking little bit of whiskey in their tea, you know, for several hours before, they're going to be like, oh, God, do you remember that fucking loud guy come in? What was he all about? So, yeah, it is worth... I mean, it's not saying that, you know, probably we should all not drink to a point where we can't remember it. But um, but also that when we do, just bear in mind that, you know, the, the strong likelihood is that you, it doesn't matter. When, you, when you've got the anxiety or the beer fear, it's all consuming. Uh, it's got to a point, this is back with Ryan, where I could be doing anything in my day-to-day life and will suddenly be struck by a crippling beer fear, which could be something that happened years ago. Uh, no idea what happens, but it's one of the worst feelings in the world. Of course, I could give up drinking, but beer is nice and getting pissed is mostly fun. That's my, that's the attitude. Um, so yeah, that is, well, that sounds to me, Ryan, like something beyond beer fear, but something that I also have. I, if, and this is a weird thing, given how much I sometimes upset people online or whatever, is that if I, if I just remember a conversation where I just, I could see that I suddenly surprised someone or upset someone, and I'm talking in person, I'm not talking this stupid online world that we wang on about. Yeah, I, all of those moments stay with me. Do you know what I mean? It's just like a, a roll call of shame. And you have to think psychologically, right? Let's work this one through together. Men's mental health. Why are you doing this? You know it's okay. You know that that person is still your friend, right? They haven't cut you out. You know, you said something to your mum. She hasn't cut you out of the will. You didn't get taken out of the WhatsApp group, right? So everyone still accepts you. So maybe, and this is Dr. Norcott Sigmund Freud here, maybe, Ryan, we do these things because... We are feeling love within ourselves and it is a form of uh, self-flagellation. Not that form, although sometimes that can be a good way of relieving the stress that builds to the feeling. God, Christ, this is classic. This is why men are fucked, man. I was making a serious point about mental health. I felt it was getting serious, so I did a silly voice and ended with a wanking gag. Okay, last week, at the end of the show, I often read out reviews. And last week, uh, I made a pathetic appeal for reviews. My God, you, you've done me proud here. So I'm going to quickly rattle through this. This is from Toots. This is uh, on iTunes, but wherever you leave your reviews, thank you. Uh, bye, Jeff. I don't even like politics, but this is one of my go-to podcasts. Informative, funny, and a great way to end the day. Uh, Top Class Podcast from Foxy Fife. I've been listening to this for a fantastic podcast for a while, but seeing Jeff perform at the Fringe this year made me finally figure out how to relieve uh, a review. That is very kind. Okay, we're just rattling through these. Uh, yeah, that one seems like a one-star review that's meant to be a five. You pressed the wrong button, you fucking knob. Um, Sean Cafferty, I seem to be on the other side of everything that we actually vote democratically, but I do believe we are a democracy and you make me laugh out loud and I struggle to find comics who make me do that. Uh, Frankie Boyle, Mark, Kevin Bridges and Mark Steele get me there, but it seems to be you and uh, four and that's about it. Well, you mentioned some great comics there. Um Sparrow Fields, by the time Jeff reads this, we will have a new Prime Minister. I'm looking forward to hearing his take on the opening days of the new government. Well, there you go. You've got my, you've got my Liz Trust take, is that uh, I'm worried. I'm worried, but uh, I'm hoping there's a plan. And I don't care. This is the thing, if you're left, if you're left wing, you've got to want the Prime Minister to do a good job. And I know that's hard, hard to say, like, but if Keir Starmer gets elected, you know, I will want him to do a good job because if he does a bad job we're all fucked um this is from donksu i've uh, been listening to jeff since the pandemic wallace i don't agree with everything he says by the way that'll be the title of my next show it's because a few quite a few people at edinburgh every time i stop people go you know what i don't agree with everything you say 
I thought, God, that's got to be my catchphrase. Uh, also loves it when he takes the piss out of people's names. Well, yours one isn't, your one is just a collection of letters, mate. Um, Will J. Marsh uh, says, a top listen for normal people, not weird shouty lefties. Well, look, I mean, they're not all weird shouty lefties, but this week of all week, given some of the shit I've had online, they're definitely out there. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, if, if finances aren't in a position where you can uh, where you can be a patron and support it that way, do please recommend it. You know, recommend the podcast and uh, do little reviews and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, keep getting drunk, keep feeling the fear, keep eating fish fingers. I love you all. See you next week.